and the 4th of August, the emperor, yielding to the vice of Petran and Savary, dictated to Count Lascazes a new protest and commissioned him to be the bearer of it to London. But Captain Maitland, on this point, refused to take the orders of even Lord Keith. It was impossible to obtain from him anything more than a transmission of simple protest. Protest! At sea, on board the Bowerfen, August 4th, 1815. In the face of God and man, I solemnly protest against the injury which has been committed upon me by the violation of my most sacred rights, this is Napoleon speaking, in forcibly disposing of my person and liberty. I came freely on board the Bowerfen, and I am not a prisoner. I am the guest of England. I am come hither even at the recommendation of the captain who has stated that he had orders from the government to receive me and convey me to England with my suite, if that was agreeable to me. I presented myself in good faith and came to place myself under the protection of the laws of England. As soon as I set my foot on board the Bellerfin, I felt myself on the soil of the British people. If the orders issued by the government to the captain of the Bellerfin to receive myself and my suite were merely intended as a snare, then they have forfeited their honor and tarnished the glory of their flag. If such an act was really done, it would be in vain for England in future to speak of her faith, her laws, and her liberty. British faith will have perished in the hospitality of the Bellerfin. I appeal to history. It will say that an enemy who for 20 years carried on war against the English people came in the day of his misfortune to seek an asylum under her laws and what more splendid proof could he give of his confidence and esteem but how did england respond to such magnanimity she pretended to offer the hand of hospitality to her enemy and when he trusted to her fidelity she immolated him napoleon from the middle of the night we were under sail plunging through a raging sea in order to reach Start Bay, the place of rendezvous indicated by signals there to await the arrival of the Northumberland, which was being prepared for sea with all haste at Portsmouth. The government was anxious at any cost to prevent the emperor from remaining longer in contact with the population. Their attitude caused the government uneasiness, as it was not easy to see how far their usual influence might extend over the crew of our ship. Officers and sailors unanimously and loudly testified their indignation at the ungenerous breach of hospitality. Anchorage and Start Bay is bad. 
and we were horribly tossed about by the waves. And for many days, dreadful seasickness diverted our minds from our sufferings. Towards the close of the day, the Northumberland and two frigates filled with troops cast anchor by our side. Immediately afterwards, Lord Keith came on board the Bellerfin, accompanied by Admiral Sir George Cockburn, whom he presented to the Emperor and who was the bearer of a communication by virtue of which he was about to convey him to St. Helena. The instructions of Lord Bathurst, minister of the colonies, gave directions to subject the baggage to the most minute examination and required the surrender to the admiral of all money or articles of value in gold or diamonds. Our arms were to be demanded as prisoners of war. The last point gave rise to one of those silent but sublime scenes to which my pen is wholly unable to do justice, but the impressiveness of which everyone will understand by reading the simple but faithful narration of what took place. Admirals had been received by the Emperor in the state cabin. Petran and myself stood behind with our backs to the stern windows. General Gorgo remained by the starboard guns prepared for any event. The emperor, a few feet in front of us, appeared to expect that he had only to receive their adieus. When Lord Keith at length resigning himself to the execution of an order which was at variance with the whole of his long and brilliant military career approached the emperor and said in a voice subdued by lively emotion, England demands your sword. The emperor, by a convulsive movement, placed his hand upon that sword, which an Englishman dared to demand. The terrible expression of his eye was the only reply. Never had it been more powerful or penetrating. Old Admiral was astounded. His tall figure shrunk, his head white with years, fell upon his breast like that of a criminal, shrinking before the sentence of his judge. The emperor retained his sword. The two admirals saluted the emperor with respect, accompanied by deep emotion, and withdrew without uttering a word to disturb the solemn impression which the scene had made upon all beholders. English as well as French. Babbage was not examined till we were on board the Northumberland. This duty was then performed by the secretary of Sir George Cockburn, and for form's sake, each of us surrendered what he pleased of the money which he carried. The Grand Marshal gave up 4,000 Napoleons as constituting the Emperor's chest. We kept secret about 400,000 francs in gold from three to four hundred thousand francs in valuables and diamonds and letters of credit for more than four million francs it was now become the duty of the emperor to select those who were to accompany him we expected his decision i doubt that information all of us with the exception of one poor lady who was for a moment agitated by painful regrets, were eager to give proofs of our devotedness and to show that our attachment was to his person and not to his scepter. And the more ingratitude and affection we had seen, the greater honor we attached to the privilege of being allowed to follow his fortunes. Savory, having been excluded by the ministry, was in despair. He loved the emperor with all his heart and with such affection that I can compare it to nothing else than a dog for his master.
Malaman was reminded of his condemnation. He thought he was about to be delivered up to the vengeance of the royalists. But he condemned death and said, smiling, May the devil carry off those who at the Isle of Eggs preached up to us. The hospitality of the English! Come, Savory, what will you do? We have, during twenty years, so often escaped this inevitable death that it must at last overtake us. My only embarrassment is this. I should rather have been killed by a Mameluke at the pyramids or by an Englishman at Waterloo than by a Frenchman on the plain of Grinella. I felt thoroughly happy when the Emperor, having sent for me, said to me affectionately, Montalan, I've selected you without speaking to you because I reckon on you. Bertrand does not hesitate this time. Callus Casas has begged me to accept of him. Do you know him? His conversation pleases me. He appears to be very well informed, and I believe him to be devoted to my cause. What a singular destiny has his been. Twenty-four years ago, he emigrated, disguised as a jockey, in the suite of Louis the Sixteenth's family. And now he's my chamberlain, going into a voluntary exile with me? Bring him in. General Gurgo would not, on any account, quit the emperor as an officer of artillery. He had attracted emperor's notice on several battlefields, especially at Vagram. I had, since that battle, been attached to his person as first officer of ordnance. The emperor obtained permission from Admiral Keith to consider Monsieur de las Casas as private secretary, and he consequently became one of the officers. When once the destiny of each of us was fixed, a few hours of calm succeeded our cruel anxieties, everything to be in its original state. So true is it that we French accommodate ourselves instantaneously to our good as to our evil fortune. I feel it my duty to notify the instructions given by the government to rear Admiral Cockburn and by Admiral Keith to Captain Maitland. Orders from Admiral Keith to Captain Maitland, commander of His Majesty's ship Belverfin. In Rhodes at Start Bay, August 6, 1815, all arms of a description are to be taken from the French, of whatever rank, who are on board His Majesty's ship. Under your command, arms are to be carefully collected and to remain under your charge as long as the French remain on board the Bellerophon. They will afterwards be under the charge of the captain of the ship to which the said individuals may be transferred. This order was not fully executed. Our swords were left us and only the firearms were taken. 